Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Good morning. With whom do you keep company? As you listen to today's scripture, what do you notice about Jesus' response to the scrutiny and the accusations that are being thrown at him? And why does it matter? This comes from Mark 2, verses 13 to 17. Jesus went out again by the sea. The whole crowd came to him, and he taught them. As he went along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, he said to him. And he got up and followed him. As Jesus was having a meal in Levi's home, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the experts in the law and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are healthy don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. We intentionally or unintentionally make common assumptions about the world around us a lot of times. Some of these, for example, are based upon preconceived ideas, biases that we have either intentionally or unintentionally allowed to come within ourselves. For example, some of us assume that if a person disagrees with us politically, that they are immediately wrong. There's no using reason to get in a discussion because they're wrong. And more than likely, they're not really good people anyways. That's a common assumption that some people make. Another assumption that has continued to exist, even though we've seen a shift occur, not only in the past, but in the recent last year, with more and more mothers having to stay home because of COVID-19 and either work from home or quit their jobs, is that assumption that if a mother is working outside of the home, she is not as attentive to her children as if she was able to be home. And then finally, there is this assumption that is going around that because the same-sex marriage is now a federal law, that the LGBTQ plus community, that they are no longer being discriminated against. Again, all of these are assumptions, and we have, and I'm sure you could come up with many more that we just believe are somehow to be true. The same thing happens when it comes to the Christianity. Within Christianity, there are those who make certain assumptions about Christians and what Christianity is all about. 
not understanding that there is a wide variety of individuals who fall under that umbrella called Christians. The other area within that is in the life of Jesus himself. There are many assumptions that people make around Jesus. And again, more than likely, it was something they were told, something they were read, something they were taught when they were a child, and it just came somehow ingrained inside of them, and they believed it was true. And it happens not only to people that don't specialize in a particular field, as in New Testament, Old Testament, Bible, theology. It happens to the average person. But within New Testament studies, there is an assumption about Jesus and how he related to tax collectors and sinners. And that assumption is continuing to have a radical impact in how Christians see each other and those who are not Christians. And again, listen to the words of our text, where it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 15, and it happened that Jesus was reclining at the table in Levi's house. And listen to these two main ideas. Number one, many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. Now again, notice at the very beginning, it says many tax collectors. But apparently the writer thought, I've got to make sure they understand that this is a large group of people because the author says again, for there were many of them. And that's the first point, that Jesus and his disciples are, we are supposed to believe they associated with many tax collectors and sinners. And then the second one is not only did he associate with them by dining with them, but notice, and they were following him. So it's almost as if the writer of this gospel wants us to believe that Jesus not only ate with them, but they actually hung out quite a bit with Jesus. And when Jesus is asked about it, the writer has Jesus succinctly state his mission. Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now that text can be understood many different ways. And the prominent way that it has been understood, the assumption is the following. People that look at this text and others that refer to Jesus and tax collectors and sinners, they automatically assume that the leaders of Judaism at that time were the Pharisees. And that the Pharisees had chosen to exclude the common people. And the common people would include those that were also tax collectors. That idea that the Pharisees excluded them, and by excluding them, they were basically saying they were sinners. 
But the next assumption that we take along with that is that Jesus, his uniqueness, what made Jesus unique in his ministry was that Jesus associated with the common people, ready? The sinners. And here's where the big one comes in. That Jesus, the reason why he associated with them was to call them to repentance. And repentance means not only that you would forsake an old way of life, you would make restitution for what you had done wrong, and then you would obey the law of God as interpreted by the Pharisees moving forward. So again, this idea that Jesus, what made Jesus was so unique was that he, unlike the Pharisees, was willing to associate with the common people, the sinners, and call them to repentance. And if they repented, then he would include them in the kingdom of God. So while the Pharisees wanted to exclude, Jesus was willing to include as long as they were willing to repent and follow the law of God. That's the common understanding and the assumption that not only New Testament scholars, but I would believe the majority of Christians hold today. You can see this very, very clearly when it comes, if you were to Google the steps to salvation, they actually line up with what I just shared with you. The steps to conclusion, to con uh, salvation would be, number one, confession. You have to be able to confess and admit that you are a sinner. If you can't admit that, then there's no use moving forward. So you have to admit that you're a sinner. That's why it's important for ministers to continually convince people that they are sinners, because if you can't admit that to begin with, how are you ever going to get salvation? That's why you see a lot of ministers or lay people on street corners telling people they're sinners. Why? Because if you can't admit it, you're never going to get all the way to salvation. So you have to admit it, then you confess your sins, you repent of your sins, and then you forsake your sins and believe that Jesus has died for your sins, then you receive salvation. That's the traditional model. Those are the steps that you would take in order to be saved and included in the kingdom of God. So these ideas are assumed to be rooted in the life of Jesus. Because this is Pride Month, I thought it was only appropriate that we would see how these steps of salvation that are seen to be rooted in Jesus' ministry are playing out in the LGBTQ plus community today. 
So I got on the internet and I Googled and asked the question of Google, is it possible to believe in Jesus and be a homosexual at the same time? One prominent religious Christian organization said the following, and as I read this to you, notice how it aligns perfectly with those steps that I just outlined for you. Is it possible to believe in Jesus and be a homosexual at the same time? The answer is both yes and no. Well, what does that mean? Listen, you'll hear both of those answers, the yes and the no. There's a difference between temptation and action. There's an important difference between homosexual feelings and desires and acting on those feelings and desires. As with any sinful behavior, it's not about being tempted, but all about willfully engaging in activity that goes against God's law. So, as long as you have those feelings, then yes, you can be saved. If you act on those feelings, probably not. The writer says the following, so yes, you can be a Christian and at the same time struggle with same-sex attraction, but no, you can't be faithful, obedient Christian while willingly involving yourself in sexual acts. Now, if you belong to the LGBTQ plus community and you follow that and you follow those steps of salvation, in my estimate, you really only have three options. Number one, you remain a Christian, but you live the rest of your life celibate. And any possibility of being able to share in physical, intimate love with another human being is just not in your cards. The second option that you have is you can choose not to be celibate and walk away from Christianity altogether. But I find more and more of the LGBTQ plus community trying to do number three. They're choosing not to be celibate. But then they're looking at the Bible and they're looking at those clobber texts, those six or seven verses that are used to say that homosexuality is a sin, other verses to say that transgender is a sin, and you try to re-understand them and reinterpret them. And then you would turn to science and say in the words of the prominent Lady Gaga, I was born this way. But what if these assumptions we have about Jesus and how Jesus interacted with the tax collectors and sinners, 
What if those assumptions we have that builds this whole model of salvation, what if it's wrong? What if it's not completely accurate? What if there's a different way that the biblical evidence points to that shows Jesus interacting with tax collectors and sinners, therefore creating a different model in how we see each other today? Let me share that with you. Number one, this new model will accept, just like the other model, that Jesus hung out with sinners. Just as it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus hung out with many tax collectors and sinners. No questions. Jesus cared deeply about the lost. The lost, you could say, would be those who were defined as sinners. But what Jesus did, though, was he would tell stories about them and how valuable Jesus perceived them to be. There's this parable of the lost coin. There's the parable of the lost sheep. And as you read those parables, you can't help but recognize that the passion with which Jesus is telling these parables is it, it demonstrates this emotion that Jesus had for those people that were considered to be sinners. But here's where it changes. There seems to be very solid evidence that Jesus associated with these people but did not call them to repentance. Now, that some would say is heresy. Jesus calls us to repent. But if you read the Gospels, especially the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Luke is the one who is writes later than Mark does. Luke is the one who's really interested in this idea of repentance. So there's a good possibility that this idea of repenting, that Jesus was calling people to repent, is actually a very late phenomena that was brought back into Jesus. I mean, when you think about it, why would they be upset with Jesus, if he's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, why would the Pharisees be upset with that if they knew all along that Jesus was eventually going to call them to repentance, restitution, and obedience to the law? Why would the Pharisees be upset with that? Jesus is doing what they should do. But if Jesus, however, was more interested in associating with them and not calling them into repentance, but simply saying, follow me, 
But now some of you would say, wait a minute, Tony. To follow Jesus means to repent. Again, that's taking that old idea and reading it back into Jesus. There's a New Testament scholar by the name of E.P. Sanders who captured this idea back in the early 1970s. And it wasn't well-received to begin with. As I read it to you, you might understand why. Perhaps Jesus' offense, what offended the Sadducees and the Pharisees, was that while claiming to be a spokesperson for God, he said that sinners would be admitted to the coming kingdom anyway. And even before those who were considered to be righteous. But here's the power punch. The novelty of Jesus' message was that he promised inclusion in the coming kingdom to those who followed him, even if they did not make restitution and follow the normal procedures for gaining atonement. That's really powerful. If that's the truth, and there seems to be really solid evidence, as much evidence for that view as there is this other view, this says a lot about how we ought to interact with all people. But here's the discouraging news. The early followers of Jesus, they couldn't buy into this. They were so rooted in the old way of looking at it that they ended up going back to that and not embracing what Jesus was about. For example, think about Paul. How Paul was basically trying to say that the Gentiles could become Christians without having to follow all of the law of Judaism. And man alive, did he get a lot of pushback on that one. When you think about James and the other leaders of the early Christian movement, they weren't excited about Gentiles just being able to walk in carte blanche. They had to go through those steps. And then once they went through those steps, then they could become a Christian. Well, if they were doing that to the Gentiles, how do you think they felt about the Jews? who were sinners. They had to do the same thing. If this is true, what Jesus is saying is that he came and was inclusive of all people. And all he asked them to do was follow him. If that is the truth, Imagine if we reclaim that today. Think about the implications of that. 
So as a Christian, if I choose to follow this model of Jesus, I have one job. Full acceptance of all people. No questions asked. Plain and simple. Full acceptance of all people. And if we could abide by that, and if we could understand that that's what Jesus was offer me, and I can offer that to other people, then I think we would live our lives with far more love and compassion. So if someone disagrees with us politically, they just happen to disagree. If someone chooses to identify in a particular way when it comes to their gender, doesn't matter. We still accept them. If someone chooses to live a life that is harmful to other people, oh, now what am I going to say? I can still fully accept them and have boundaries doesn't mean I let them continue to walk over me or to hurt other people. You see, we can fully accept other people, but it doesn't mean that we have to just become this doormat and let them walk all over us. I can love you and care for you, but draw a boundary and say that you are not healthy in my life. that becomes an amazing model for how we could enhance our society. So you need to kind of think through that for yourself. I mean, you could choose your own preference and say, well, I like this idea better than this idea. That's okay. Or you could really sit with it and reflect upon it and really think about the old way of looking at how Jesus interacted with sinners and see how that resonates with you and then take the time to sit with this other way and see how that resonates with you. I've done it. And I'm going to err on the side of full acceptance. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Um, But if Jesus was here right now, I think he would say, eh, as long as you accept other people, maybe you you didn't get it all right. But just love each other. Accept each other. Maybe that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. And maybe that's what ended up getting him killed. I hope it doesn't get me killed. 
but I do believe it'll make a difference in my life and the life of those that I come into contact with. Now it's up to you to decide. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.